You're listening to the Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about Cathedral, like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearecathedral.com. Morning, you guys doing good this morning? What a great morning to be in the house. Thank you for everybody joining us online. We've got a huge online crowd this morning. A couple of people I know, Grant and Mariah and and Kevin and Kyle and a whole group of folks out in Texas. Thank all you guys so much for joining us online. I am jacked about this new series, Made for Heaven. This is like of, of all topics that I get the most excited about. Heaven is the one I get the most excited about. In my personal opinion, we don't talk about it enough in church. We need to be jacked up, fired up, excited. When I go to the New Testament and I look at Jesus sharing this good news of the kingdom of God, part of that was, yes, the kingdom of God is at hand here on earth, but it's a very diminished what we get to witness and what we get to see. But the greater news and that everybody in that day understood was Jesus was making a way. The Messiah had come. Somebody had come to bridge the gap between us and God, and they were were looking forward to that. They were excited about getting out of this dingy, dungy, fallen world we lived in and living for all eternity with God. And, and I, you know, it kind of reminded me of my early days here at Cathedral. This was when I was super young, probably like 92, something like that. I'd only been here at Cathedral for a couple of years, and I was volunteering in the children's ministry. And back then, every summer, we took the kids to children's camp, Camp Chatuga. Every summer we go to Camp Chatuga. And so this particular summer I volunteered to go as one of the camp counselors. And so we go, and part of the camp is a inner tubing down the Chatuga River. So the morning comes to do that. We, the, the little company that has all the inner tubes, they take us to the place. They put all the kids in the water, a couple of the instructors, and they give them instructions. They say, okay, enjoy yourself, yada, yada, yada. Chris Profader, yes, you were there, like this high. Oh, my gosh. Now he's married and got kids. So, squirrel. So <laughs> the inner tubes are all going down the Chattooga River, and they gave them instructions. They said, now, the most important thing is, when you round the final bend to where you're going to get out, make sure you're on this side of the river. Because if you're on the far side, it was about 100 yards wide at that point. And they said, you're not going to be able to get out. The current's moving too swiftly. And if you don't get out there, you're going to have to go through class four and five rapids before we can get to you again. Four and five rapids don't mix with an inner tube. That don't work. So they put them all in the water, and then they carry myself and Miss Pat, Pastor B's wife, who was at the time our uh, children's pastor. They carry me and Miss Pat to the area where the kids are going to get out. And they instruct us, hey, remember now, when you see the kids come and holler at them to get on this side. Got it, no problem. It takes about a half an hour, and finally you hear them come, and you know, they're squealing, they're doing what kids do, they're having a ball, they're having a good time. The very first one that rounds the bin, <laughs> little John. And little John is on the far side of the river. Now, God bless his little heart. I, I can't really blame him because he had sunk down into the inner tube. And his arms were stuck in there. So his little hands, he's T-Rexing it, right? He couldn't get his little hands down into the water. And his feet are the same way. He's kicking his feet. He's kicking his little hand. But neither one of them will touch the water. So obviously, little Johnny ain't going to make it. To the takeout spot. And Miss Pat, God bless her heart, she's like, we got to do something. we got to do something. He's not going to make it. What are we going to do? I'm two years into this Christian journey. I come straight out the country. 
I know what to do. I've survived in the country. The A number one thing, you know if you were raised in a country, you don't jump into a cold, deep river with all your clothes on. No, 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 because your hiking boots are going to fill up with water. Your jeans are going to weigh about 100 pounds. So I start stripping. You know, I start taking, and Miss Pat, she's up here at the edge of the river. We got to do something. We got to do And my, my hiking boots come off. My socks come off. Drop my pants. We got to do, we got to, oh, oh. Okay, we're doing something. We're doing something. I'm like, Miss Pat, we, we have to do something. So I jump into the river. As soon as I hit the river, a voice from over here. We got him. This little group of people from the, from the company that put us in the river, they're over here doing survival training. So they're in their kayaks, full helmets, life jackets. I know they heard everything that was going on. I know they waited until I got my clothes off and jumped in that river. Now, here's the thing. If I would have known they were right there, I wouldn't have got scared, and I for sure wouldn't have got caught with my pants down. I think that's what happens a lot of time for us as Christians when it comes to heaven. We're the ones that know, right? We've got God's word. We've got the Bible. We've been walking with God. So surely we know. But I think a lot of times when somebody comes up to you and says, hey, tell me about heaven. It's like we're standing there with our pants down because we're not sure about heaven. So how am I, I? I don't know. I mean, I think it's a good. Well, aren't you going there? Isn't that like the whole thing? Is it your? Well, yeah. Let me tell you what Jesus, you know, and that, all of that is good. But knowing about heaven is so crucial. And you guys are about to hear from somebody this morning. Ooh, it's good. But i got to prime the pump a little bit. We're going to prime the pump. So get your cards out. Let's prime the pump. Because there is a lot in the Bible about heaven. And even if you just take these four passages of Scripture here, you get a very good picture of what heaven is like. And I'm going to start with Jesus and how he described it in John chapter 14. He said, don't let your hearts be troubled. I love that that's how he started it. Now, he's talking to the disciples. He's already told them he's going to die, but they're not getting it. They're not understanding it. Jesus sees the other side. But that, don't let your hearts be troubled, you can apply that to anything in your life. So Jesus is saying, whatever is going on in your world that is troubling your heart, don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. There's more than enough room in my Father's home. If this were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? I love that Jesus said that heaven is home. It's our home. Overwhelmingly, when people go through our growth track and we're talking to them about, hey, describe your first experience at cathedral. Overwhelmingly, they say this. When I, when I first came into your church, I felt like I was home. Now, they're not talking about this building. What they're talking about is an atmosphere. They're, they're coming here and they're getting around you guys and you have Jesus in your heart. And you've got the love of God and the love of God in you creates this atmosphere where they're touching just a minute amount of the presence of God. That is what feels like home. That's what they mean. Even if they don't know God yet, they're touching it. They're touching his presence. The, the, the other three of these passages come from a man named Paul. Paul had a radical conversion to Christianity, and he wrote a lot of what we read in the New Testament. And this is what he has to say about heaven in Colossians. He said, since you have been raised to new life in Christ. So for those of you who have made that decision, you've decided to turn your life over to God, you've asked Christ to come into your heart, be your Lord and Savior, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. 
So in other words, we should look forward to going home. Heaven is our home, and we should look forward to going home. Well, Eddie, what, how many more years? I got? It doesn't matter. I'm not saying don't do anything here, right? A lot of people just came back from vacation. They went on spring break. They went. They did their vacation. I imagine most of those people have been planning those vacations for months. So for months, they've been at their job, in their workplace, doing what they have to do. But man, they've been looking forward to that vacation. We've all done it, right? Some of you are going to Israel. You're still having to work, do your job. But man, you're looking forward to go to Israel. That's what he means. Yes, you still have to function here. Yes, we still have things to do here. But keep your mind set on looking forward to going home. And then this is how he describes it. We're going to read about how he saw heaven. But I'm going to do that last because I want you to hear this first. Because this is how he describes the dilemma between our life here on earth and what our future looks like in heaven. He says this in Philippians. He says, for me, living, meaning living on this earth, means living for Christ and dying on this earth is even better. Stop. Does that mess with your head? He's literally saying that if something happens to you here and you die... Game over, man. That's the best thing. That's the best option. That's the best thing that can happen. That's what he's saying. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around that, but that's what he's saying. He said, but if I live on this earth, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. So I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. But for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live on this earth. So Paul was torn. He's like, I don't want to be here. And from that we see that our life on earth is an apprenticeship. And this apprenticeship is preparing us for heaven. Well, Eddie, what do you, what do you mean apprenticeship? I, this, is, this is kind of how I like to view the world that we live in. I'm a big movie guy, so I love movies. And to me, the best depiction of where we're at right now in this earth is the Titanic. It really is. And where we're at in the movie is not the cool little romantic place where the, you know, with the blue diamond and all that kind of stuff. We're at the place where the ship has split in two and both halves are sinking. We're in the lifeboats and there's people everywhere in the water. We got to get them. We got, nobody on the Titanic in a lifeboat was trying to find some pianos or some good looking clothing or some jewelry that, no, they're all searching for people. And they're pulling as many people in as they could possibly get into those lifeboats. What our life is about here on this earth is coming to realize that nothing, nothing is more important in your life than people. Nothing. Not your job, not your career, not your house, not your toys. Nothing is more important than people. And our apprenticeship here, which is exactly what Paul was saying. Paul was saying, look, if it was up to me, I would tell God, take me right now. I'm done. But he said, but I can't be selfish. I need to stay here and help you understand how much God loves you and help you understand that Jesus Christ has made a way for you to go and truly be home. That's where he wants you. And then this last uh, passage is Paul describing how he encountered heaven in 2 Corinthians he said, I was caught up to the third heaven. Now, the third heaven in the Bible, what that means is in the Bible, you'll see the first heaven, which means the atmosphere of the earth. And then it will mention the second heaven, which is literally the stars, what we would call outer space. The third heaven is the place where God dwells. That is what you and I would just call heaven. Heaven. 
He said, I was caught up there 14 years ago. Whether I was in my body or out of my body, I don't know. Only God knows. Yes, only God knows whether I was in my body or outside of my body. I love that he says it twice because you can tell even he's wrestling. He's like, man, I don't know if like, like my spirit just went there and my body stayed here because I was there. And I was in a body, so I'm not sure, like, did I disappear from here and appeared there? Or did part of me stay here when I was He's wrestling with it. But, he says, what I do know is that I was caught up to paradise and heard things so astounding that they cannot be expressed in words. Things no human is allowed to tell. So from that passage, we see that our home is an inexpressible paradise. Paradise. This is the place Paul says, set your hearts, set your minds on this place. And I've got somebody that's about to help you do that in a very, very easy way. Bobby and Kay Brunson are part of the original founding members of Cathedral. Everything that you see here now, this building, our school, the gymnasium, the football fields, everything that you think of when you think Cathedral all began in their living room. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine having just this little old small group in your living room with this on-fire guy named Mike Lewis, and he's leading your little Bible study, and the next thing you know, God jumps in here and it just blows up. And if you've ever heard the full story of Cathedral and how we've grown, if there's one thing I can say that we're built on, we are built on the miraculous power of God. Our history is full of God working miracle after miracle after miracle, and I think it's ironic that it began in the living room of somebody who experienced one of the most amazing miracles anybody can ever experience, coming back from the dead. That's a Lazarus moment right there. And that's what happened to Bobby. Bobby and Kay were very young. At this time, they had two young children, ages 9 and 11. And Kay had just decided that she was going to be a stay-at-home mom. So they, they agreed they wanted her to stay home with the kids. Bobby worked at the railroad. He said, I'll just pick up extra shifts, so we'll be good. They make that decision one Saturday afternoon. It happens to be a day that Bobby's going to pick up some extra shifts. And there's also a wedding. So Kay has the kids, and they're at a relative's house over in Otranto getting ready for the wedding. And while they're getting ready for the wedding, a phone call comes, and Bobby's mother, who's with Kay, takes the phone call and then goes in and tells Kay, we got to go, and we got to go right now. And so they speed home. What's going on at home is Bobby's backing out of the driveway to go to work, and he notices that Heather's left her bicycle in the front yard, his daughter. And he says, oh, well, let me get that because I can see there's some clouds coming. It's probably going to rain. So he gets out of the truck. He reaches for the bike, and that's the last thing he remembers. Before he even touches the bike, bam, he's standing in heaven. Now, we sat, Bobby and Kay wrote a book called When Lightning Strikes, One Man's Journey to Heaven and Back, a phenomenal Phenomenal book, and I'll tell you more about that later. But we sat down with them a couple of weeks ago and did a very extensive, almost hour-long interview with them. And we thought, what better way to introduce a series on heaven than to hear from somebody who actually went there, who was dead for 28 minutes with no heartbeat and no breathing, hear what he experienced. So we're picking up this interview at that exact point where we're looking at Kay being here, and Kay is here in an absolute utter chaos. They're working on him in the ambulance. When she got there, she looks in the ambulance. Bobby's in there totally ash gray, completely dead, and the paramedics are just working feverishly on him with no luck. So Kay is with her family members, and they are screaming and just crying out and praying as hard as they can to God to please bring Bobby back. And so let's pick up the interview at that point.
I think the, the craziest thing about the story and I really want to help people understand is the dichotomy of what's going on with both of y'all at that exact moment because Kay's here, complete chaos, just absolute, just I can't even imagine what you're feeling emotionally. Not quite the same for you. Let me, let me read to you how you start off your book. All of a sudden, I was there. I was in heaven. As I stood looking around at the breathtaking beauty, I was certain this was where I belonged. What do you mean by that? How did you know that? Like, What's that feel like to be somewhere where you know this is where I belong? Because I felt it. Remember, my spirit left my body. My body was here, but my spirit went to heaven. The deficit feel when I got there, I had no surprises. It wasn't surprise. I knew I was there, you know? And I didn't fall down and say, man, I made it, I made it. <laughs> I just knew. Yeah. The first person I seen was people, and I, I could look. And then I was standing up admiring everybody and how it looked. I heard somebody come up behind me and they said, hello, Robert. And I wasn't surprised, but I knew it was my dad. He's the only one that called you Robert. Right. Oh. He was the only one that called me Robert. <laughs> I, I don't remember everything that I talked to my dad about, but I do remember one thing. He said, Robert, how you doing? I said, I'm doing fine. He said, are you still grumbling and complaining? <laughs> Any world did he do that? <laughs> <laughs> and um, he said, Bobby, Robert, I've taught you better than that. I taught you, pray for your pastor and pray for your church. What God can do in two minutes, it'll take you two years to do it. Wow. Wow. I can see it in my mind when I lay down at night, yes. Mm. But it's hard to strive right now. I've even had a tape recorder to record stuff that I dream about. I said, you know, I'm gonna I'm a record as soon as I wake up. Boom, I hit that thing and it seemed like my mind cuts off. Wow, wow. Because Eddie, it's just, I was in the spirit. Now I'm in the flesh. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like oil and water, you can't mix them. Yeah, yeah. So that, so you just knew this is where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And and my dad pointed it out to me. He said, do you know that gentleman over there? I said, yes. That's Kay's father. How about this one here? I said, yeah, that's Brother Sigas. He was a deacon in our church, and he was a deacon for years. And the last time I seen him and Kay's father, they were sick, Eddie. But this time they were not. I mean, they was just rejoicing being in heaven. Wow. And the Bible says no more sorrows and no more sickness. Don't it make you want to go there? (laughs) (laughs) Every time I talk to you, it makes me want to go there. But now the big question everybody wants to know, did you see Jesus? Yes, I did. Jesus was walking up. What surprised me, Eddie, was Jesus come for me. I thought, you know, he, he, I'm Bobby Brunson. I'm just a regular, but he would come for Billy Graham or somebody like that. But no, he took his time out, his busy time. 
I, I, this is me now. I imagine, fellas, I'll handle this. I'll go. But ain't that sweet? You know, he walked up. He says, it's time to go. I looked at him. I said, I don't want to go. He said, he said yes, you must go at this time. My favorite part of the story is you talking about how Jesus comes up to you. It's time to go. You can't, you can't stay. And so now the two worlds are about to collide because Kay is here crying out to God with her and her family around her. The paramedics step out of the ambulance to come tell her you're gone. Like it's been 28 minutes, so we can't save him. No heartbeat. Nobody's in that ambulance with you. You see yourself coming back down. You see your body laying in that ambulance. You see yourself go into your body, and then your heart starts beating. Uh To me, that is just the idea. I love that part of the story. It's just so cool. You know, so no no man brought you back. I mean, God said, I'm not done with you yet. I've I've still got some things for you to do. So, So now Bobby comes back. They take him to the Navy hospital. When you get there, what is the doctor's prognosis to you about Bobby? What are they saying? Once they get him settled a bit, they take him to a cardiac care unit and they tell me where to go. And um, it's not long before they put him on a respirator because he has pneumonia and he cannot breathe for himself. And so he is a very, very sick man. There was a conference and they asked me to come in to the conference room and I met with the doctors and they they told me, Miss Brunson, um, if your husband lives, he would in all probability be a mental vegetable. They don't know if he's gonna be able to physically work ever again. And so he, they said to me, you need to prepare yourself. You need to prepare your children. All I can tell you is at that point in time, God gave me a wonderful gift, just a gift of faith that said, now, if God can bring him back from death, then he's not through and he is going to be okay. And I said to them, thank you. Please do keep doing everything you're doing. Y'all are wonderful. They were wonderful. But I said, he's going to be back. He's going to be okay. And we're going to come back and personally thank you for all that you've done taking care of him and they looked at me like "Mm, lady you've been up too many hours (laughs) (laughs) so bobby again we've got this crazy thing where Kay's experiencing one thing and you're experiencing another because i remember uh my wife who's a registered nurse went through your medical records Uh and was absolutely shocked at the level of sedatives and medication they had you on because they thought you are being combative because you had brain damage. So they're thinking brain damage, so you're just fighting and being combative. But I remember you saying, no, I'm just trying to wake up <laughs> because I need to tell people what's happening. So you're just trying to wake up and they're steady, like trying to keep you knocked out. What was it that you were wanting to wake up and tell everybody? I want to tell them what I seen. I wanted to tell them how quick he can die, Eddie. When you reached for that bike, did you even feel the lightning or hear the thunder? Nope. Nope. I was gone before the pain hit me. Wow. I thought about the stripe. Wow. Wow. And when he did wake up, that's all he did. Every nurse, every person that walked in there, I don't care if she came 10 times a day, 
<laughs> he wanted to tell her about Jesus. He mm. wanted to tell her he'd been to heaven. And if you're not saved, you need to get saved. <laughs> because you don't want to miss, you do not want to miss this. Mm. Mm. Talk about that, Bobby. So, so your desire to see people accept the Lord is, is not a... Is really isn't so much to avoid hell. It is you don't want to miss heaven. Right. I mean, it's, it's so beautiful, Elia. It's hard for me to strive it. But I want people to go. It's nothing. All they got to do is say, Lord, forgive me. Wow. Simple as that. Simple as that. That's all. Mm. What, what are some of the questions that most people ask you when they hear? What are some of the most common questions that you get? From what's, what's people wear? Uh, in other words, what I'm saying is Eddie, earthly questions, mm. but heaven's on earth. Yeah. They always ask about, did you see animals? Yeah, the, oh yeah. The little children always want to know, did you see my, my kitty? Did you see my dog? <laughs> yeah. I said, well, God made them. That's all I can answer. That's all I can say. They want to know um, what the streets of gold are like. I asked him, I said, well, were the streets of gold translucent? Could you see through them? And he said, okay, yeah, you know, that was important. <laughs> he said, I, I can't even tell you what you wore yesterday. I don't know what they were wearing. He mm -hmm. said, it was not important. But he said, what was important is the way Jesus' eyes looked at me with love. What was important was that he loved me so much, that he loves everybody so much. He said, those are the important things. And he said, I don't want anybody to miss that. We got it. He said, he kept saying, we got to tell everybody. we got to tell everybody. And he's done a pretty good job. Oh, you come back, literally, you've come back from the dead, legally dead, 28 minutes, no pulse, no breathing. Um, so now you're awake in the hospital, no brain damage. So despite what the doctor said, again, just God's miraculous healing of even your physical body. And now it's time to go home. And so I wanna, I wanna read this to you. It's a little piece of what you said in your book just to kind of get your response from it. This is how you describe leaving the hospital. You said, you would expect our ride home from the hospital to be a joyous and celebratory time when we would talk about God's faithfulness and the miracle of going home in good health. But it wasn't. What was that ride home for you like? That ride home, what I seen the streets of gold, I seen the mansions, and, I, and when we pull out, she got on asphalt road. And I could see everything was dirty, and the air was, was, was dirty, and everything, you know. And then I looked at her, and I said, almost, why did you pray me back? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he was, he was down. He was really quiet, and Bobby is not a quiet person. He talks all the time, <laughs> which I love, of course, because we talk constantly. Yeah. But that day, nothing. It was very still, and I kept thinking, why isn't he not happy that we're finally getting out of the second hospital now? Why is he not happy we're going home? And so finally I said, um, well, what's wrong? And he said, 
it's it's just all so dull compared to heaven. Mm. That became a different struggle. Yeah, talk about that. Well, first of all, it could not work. Um, he was able to walk and all that, but he was unsteady. He couldn't touch his nose. He couldn't um, articulate. Um, he was so depressed and just so down. Um, so I kept thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this man? So um, there was no income. So we very quickly used our savings to pay the bills. <clears throat> we had two children, nine and 11, that still had to be taken care of. The house had to be taken care of. Groceries had to be purchased, food cooked. But he just laid on the couch. So I would get the bills and I'd get on my knees in that living room in there and I'd say, God, now you can get me more, but we gotta have this much to pay the bills this month. I looked at this house and so I even went to look at a small condo maybe we could move. We had just moved in this house about a year. I said, maybe we can sell the house and move in something smaller. And I went to check the price and it was more than what this house was. So <clears throat> I just depended on God and I said, God, all these years now, from the day we married, we have paid tithes, we've given the missions, we've helped the poor, we've had everything that we could possibly do to help others within our means, we have done it. So now I'm gonna take you at your word. You're gonna to have to supply the need. And you can give me more, but I gotta have this much to pay the bills. And, you know, I can't tell you how he did it, but he did. So when we went to do our taxes at the end of that year, the accountant said, um, well, where are your W-2s? And I said, well, we don't have any because Bobby wasn't able to work. And of course, I couldn't work, so I was taking care of him. And he said, well, how did you make it? And I said, sir, I, I can't tell you. God took care of us, and that's all I can tell you. He said, ma'am, I've never filled out a tax return like this before. <laughs> <laughs> she come in one day, somebody called you, didn't they? Oh. Yes, they called, and um, one of our friends from God Tidings Church, Mr. Norton, had died. And so I, I thought, this is such sad news, but I'm going to wake him up and tell him. So I went in to tell him. I said, um, our friend um, Phil Norton has died. And he said, oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> and I went, huh? <laughs> he said, Kay, if people knew what heaven was like, they would be standing in line saying, God, please take me next. Because mm. so I was dreaming. So you're severely depressed, laying on the couch when you're awake, but when you fall asleep, See? you're dreaming of heaven, and you got a big old smile on your face. Again and again and again. Wow. He Pretty still funny. does it sometimes. So we're not afraid to die. Uh, we would kind of prefer to go together. And we don't, we don't need to help God. No, I'm, we're not going to help him no. by stepping out in front of a, a train. <laughs> and I have a hard time, baby, getting this out. Well, quit apologizing for yourself. You're doing okay. <laughs> for an old man, you're doing okay. <laughs> you're doing great. You're doing great. I mean, I think that's the thing that, you know, when you... I remember you talking about, you and I were having a conversation, you were trying to describe heaven to me, 
and the thing you said, which which really helped me understand it, you you describe it as like, you know, here you're in the flesh, but there you're in the spirit. And I remember you saying to me, Eddie, our language doesn't work for describing heaven. Correct. Again, He's right. when when you read in the Bible streets of gold, you get a you get a mental image in your head based on what you've seen here. And he said, and you said, I'm telling you, what you've seen here pales in it's not even it's not even close to what it is there and that helped me so much because of the way that you said it, it wasn't that you couldn't find the words it's that there are no words in the human language to possibly comprehend what heaven is like and to possibly even come close to describing to people what heaven is like bobby's told this story many times in all of the places we've been and to me. And um, it's always the same. You know, it's always the same. And he gets a certain look in his face and I know that he's seeing it again. Mm. And I, you know, I haven't seen it only through his eyes. But I'm telling y'all, I sure don't want to miss it. Mm. Uh -uh. I'm no. not going to miss it. No. <laughs> not, not, but it don't caution us. <laughs> no. I mean, I'd go down to Disney World and they said, Sir, we want $100. <laughs> and, and they say, Lord, forgive me, and a, and a ticket to go to heaven? Mm. Nothing. That's not hard to figure out, is it? No. <laughs> well, let me ask you guys this. Talk to us about what was it like, because you said to those doctors, there's going to be a day we're going to walk back through these doors. Talk about when that, when you did exactly what you said you were going to do. <laughs> Yeah, got Bobby all dressed up. Yeah, and we went. We just went to Lou right back up to that Navy hospital. Probably it was maybe six weeks afterwards. Um, by then he could walk a little bit straighter and and talk good. Um, and so I forgot to mention that when Bobby was struck by lightning, it went into his head here, and it crossed his chest in a V, a, a Z. And it was red. It was bright, bright red. And so um, I dressed you all up. And, um, uh, and it was <laughs> it was still summertime, so he didn't have a long sleeve shirt or a t-shirt. He just had on a polo shirt. And so we went up to that the floor, and the nurses all recognized him. And the first thing they did was pull up his shirt. I and, said, wait! <laughs> and look at that Z. Now, it had faded a little, but it was still red, and it took about a year and a half for that Z that was across his chest to go away. She didn't warn me, but it was good. Well, I didn't know they were going to pull up your shirt. I mean, <laughs> I thought they were going to see me, but they were going to see They were going to see him. They, he looks so different, of course. Yeah. He like himself. Yeah. You guys wrote this book to help people and you guys go and speak. So what is it that you really want people to take away from your story? First Me, of all, God loves you. Right. Me, God loves you and you will see heaven, but how quick you can die. I always thought that I'd have time when the plane was coming down you know, getting ready to crash, I'd have time. But no, 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 no. Huh? I always thought you would have time to say, God, forgive me. 
did he? I did. So, I think the moral to the story is to be ready, which is easy. Just, just live for Jesus. It's easy. Why would you want to live without him? Why would you want to live without him? Amen. Daddy, we still have hard times. We still have problems and challenges and hurtful things that happen. And you know what we, you know where we are every morning? We're in that living room praying. We're reading the word because we need Jesus. Still need him every day. Wouldn't want to be without him. Don't want others to be without him. I think that's obvious. That's obvious. Thank you guys so much. Thank you all for sharing your story. And thank you for writing this book. And I just, the, the countless number of people whose lives have been changed, the everything from salvation to just comfort, mm-hmm. you know, for people that have, have lost a loved one. When my mama died, when my brother-in-law died, when my two of my brothers died, three of my brothers died, I still miss them. I know where they are. I know where they are, but I still miss them. You know, it's nothing wrong with missing people. When I feel like you say I miss them, you love them. That's a good place to end. That's wise words. Thank you, Bobby. We have this young family that just recently moved in next door. They came down from Massachusetts. Beautiful little family, five little kids, and we love it. We love hearing the kids outside laughing and playing. And so, of course, we invited them to come to church. And and so the mom and the children did. Dad wasn't a believer, so she came to church a couple of times here. She's at another church now, but she loved it here. Um, But I happened to be speaking one weekend. I don't even know what I was speaking about, but I mentioned this book. And I mentioned what happened to Bobby. So she went home and she ordered it. And she read it. And her husband saw it sitting on the end table. And he picked it up and he read it. And just from reading that book, he made the choice to give his heart to Christ. From reading that story. You've got just a little taste of it this morning, but here's what I want to do. There might be some of you in this room and you're like, man, I, I'm, I'm coming to realize if I walk out this door right now and I, and, I, and I never make it another step, I'm not going to make it. And God doesn't want you to live your life like that. He doesn't want you to live in fear. He wants you to know that you're going to make it. And so maybe you're here and you've never made that decision to turn your life over to God, to ask Christ to forgive you and, and to come into your heart. And I want to give you that opportunity, but I don't want to do it too fast. I want you to just kind of have a conversation with God as we sing this next song. This next song is all about what Bobby talked about in that video. It is all about the love of Jesus because this next song is about the truth that the Son of God left that indescribable, unimaginable paradise, came to this filthy, fallen, wicked, dirty place for you. He left that to come here to live his life in this world for one purpose, and that was to give his life for you. 
So as we sing this song, which is all about that journey that he took and where he is right now, would you just allow God just to speak to you and speak to your heart? Let's sing. Maybe you just by a certain happenstance just found this church or jumped online, whatever it is. But what I do know is God desperately wants to get through to you. And what I do know is that that Jesus, the one we just sang about, that is bigger than anything, that is the creator of everything, chose this morning and this day to personally, personally touch your heart. And I just want to give you a chance to respond. I'm just going to ask everyone to bow their heads and close their eyes just to give privacy to those that are in the room. And, and you might say, I want to do exactly what Bobby said. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it. I see it. I get it now. I never really understood it, but that was so simple. And now I get it. And I don't want to miss it. And if that's you, and if you want to take that step today to say, Lord, forgive me, and I want you in my life. Would you just, where you're at, just slip up your hand and let me just see your hand. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Up in the balcony, lots of hands in the balcony. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Anybody else? Anybody else? Before we pray, as you just keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed, I know sometimes it can be tough to make that choice. Sometimes you, you want to do it with everything in you, and it's just, it's just hard to take that step of raising your hand. I promise you, we're not going to single you out, and we're not going to embarrass you, but I just want to make sure nobody leaves out of this room without having the opportunity to, to do that. So if you didn't raise your hand, but now you're wishing you would have, this is just for you. I'm going to count to three, and when I get to three, you just lift your hand up. One, two, three. Just slip your hand up. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, everybody's heads, or eyes closed and heads bowed. We're going to pray this prayer together. But for those of you that raised your hand, this is your day. This is the day that your life will never be the same again. And this is the day that you are guaranteed your place in your home with your heavenly Father. So just repeat this after me. Father God, I believe in Jesus, that he's your son. And he came to this earth and died for me. Before I even knew about him, he died for me. Before I could even love him, he loved me. So Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins and be the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give those guys a hand? Woo! Man. Yes. That's why we do what we do. Okay, a couple of, couple of quick things. If you just raised your hand, or maybe you've recently raised your hand, 
um, we would love to have you get water baptized. That's the next step. After you cross that line, you ask Jesus to come into your heart. The Bible talks about now, be water baptized. And we're doing a water baptism service next weekend. So Wednesday night at 7 p.m. in the chapel, we would love to have you here for the water baptism class. You'll learn all about water baptism, what it means, and what's going to happen when you get water baptized. We'd love to have you here for that. And then the following Wednesday at 7, we're doing a class on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is another step. It's another piece of the puzzle. When you read through the book of Acts, this is the pattern that you see. They put their faith in Christ. They were water baptized for the repentance of their sins, and they are baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a separate thing, and if you maybe you've heard about it, maybe you've never heard about it, I just want to invite you to come sit through the class, and you decide for yourself, based solely out of what the Bible says, whether this is something that you want or not. But I can promise you, man, in this apprenticeship that we have here on this earth, you need the fullness of the Holy Spirit operating in your life. You cannot make it without Him. I mean, He is the source of your strength and your life and your joy. So you want to make sure you come and be a part of that. One last huge surprise for you guys, and that is that Bobby and Kay are right out here in the foyer. And they would love for you to stop by. They would love to sign a book for you and for you to say hi to them. And if you made your decision today and raised your hand because of that story, would you please just go by there and let them know? It would so bless them if you did that. God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Cathedral Podcast. If you were encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.